All right. Today's Friday, February 24th, and football season's over. So shifting focus and nothing like an end of February college basketball preview. I guess more of a March Madness preview. Conference championship week quickly approaching. A lot of teams on the bubble. Um, so we're going to try to catch you and catch ourselves up to speed on what's happening in the college basketball world. Um, from there, what are the what are the big pictures? I think the, the big takeaway this year so far from watching is that um, it's the most times a number one seed or number one overall team has lost and lost that number one ranking. So there's no clear cut favorite, I'd say, this year. Houston's current number one, but they're not playing the toughest opponents. Purdue's been great all year, but they've lost some games here down the stretch that they probably shouldn't have lost. And then Alabama's the other third big team, and they have a slew of issues themselves going on outside of the program. So kind of wide open this year, Colin. I'll let you take it away from there. Yeah, um, it's kind of an interesting uh, top of the, uh, I guess, top of the, Top of the hill, king of the hill this year. I don't know what you'd call it, but we keep having number one teams lose. We keep having ranked teams lose, but there's kind of contingency at the top that keep playing. You know, they're trading places over and over. Like beginning of the year, North Carolina had the number one seed. We can get into the disappointing teams later on. Yeah, them and Kentucky suck. Kentucky's putting it together because Severe Wheeler's not playing anymore, which addition by subtraction there, which – Begs the question, why did they ever bring him in? But he's he's my least favorite player in college basketball. I'll get that out of the way. It's Severe Wheeler for the Kentucky Wildcats. And Wendell, I don't even know the guy's last name. He's the point guard for Auburn. He wears number one. He's just miserable to watch. He ruined Jabari Smith's freshman year, but I digress. Um, yeah, the, there's a clear top three at the top, though. Um Alabama, Purdue, and Houston have been the three teams outside of North Carolina that have been number one this year. You could also throw Kansas in there. They've come on as late of as of late, had some and huge UCLA, UCLA is number four right now. Yeah. And they've been consistent, but they have the they're playing their games at 10 o'clock at night, which makes it a little more exactly. And they don't they don't have the opportunity for as many big wins. So I'd say like those five teams, specifically the first three mentioned, though, though, those are like the true contenders. They've been around the top all year. Um, and they haven't had like a major fall off. So I would say out of those teams, I trust Houston the most. I've had a future on Houston to win uh, at plus 1100 since the beginning before the season tipped off. Actually. Uh, I really like their guard play. They have both their guards have been to a final four, uh, the same one, but they were on the final four team two years ago in the COVID year. It was Jamal sheds freshman year. So he came off the bench. Uh, that was a team with Quentin Grimes, who's now a player for the Knicks first round draft pick, uh, conference player of the year, former Kansas Jayhawk. So they weren't like the the main points of that team, but Marcus Sasser was the second leading scorer on that team. Uh, and then last year, Shed, when Sasser got hurt, became the focal point of their team and got them to an Elite Eight where they lost a, a rock fight to Villanova. That was a good Villanova team. I mean, it was, it's an Elite Eight game. They beat. They were able to beat Illinois and Arizona on the way to that Elite Eight. A lot of trendy Final Four picks for both those teams last year. So Houston's legit. Uh, they also have something that they haven't had in a while, which is a five-star freshman on their roster. Probably lottery pick in uh, Jairus Walker. He's a wing. 
not much of a shooter, but just a monster athletically can, can handle the ball, pass it. He can initiate some offense. So Houston has all the part and they rebound the shit out of the ball, which is huge for March madness because you get in a lot of those, you know, you playing Thursday, Saturday, Thursday, Saturday, and then Saturday, Monday to close the season. Those second games on the back-to-backs, I mean, especially in the late in the final four, we see so many shitty shooting performances just because guys are dragging. They have tired legs, playing hard-fought games two and three nights. And you got to be able to rebound, you know, do the dirty work. So I really like Houston. They're my favorite of that bunch. The player of the year would probably most people would argue is Zach Eady. He's like the key to Purdue. They're not a one-man show, but if you take him out, none of their players would be able to run that team on their own. I think that's going to be their downfall is uh, you watched Maryland the other week kind of put them away in the second half. And they did so by pressing them the entire game and then dropping back into a zone, making Zach Eady run up and down, picking up the tempo and then forcing guys outside of Edie to beat them, which they really don't. If if you get Edie on the bench in foul trouble, they don't have a guy who can hold them over for stretches of time. I think that'll be their downfall. And then as far as Alabama, they have the best freshman in the country in Brandon Miller. Obviously, a lot going on with him right now. We're just going to assume he's playing. Uh, Which he, that's the assumption to make, played last night in South yeah. Carolina and dominated. I watched that whole yeah. game. It was the first time I've really watched the whole um, Alabama game this year since the Maui, Jim Maui Invitational. They, that game, first off, if you were watching without – the the scoreboard on you would have thought South Carolina I thought South Carolina should should have won that game by like 50 every mm-hmm. shot every time Alabama would have a good defensive possession South Carolina would hit like a, a 35 foot three-pointer or get fouled on a three or get some ridiculous tap in and it's still it was enough to get it to overtime but it seemed like South Carolina had everything bounced their way and they lost in overtime by a couple granted they were like 17 point dogs so yeah Definitely a little bit of an underperformance by Alabama, but a lot of things with Brandon Miller swirling outside of the program. So to be able to go on the road in the SEC and get a win against not a great South Carolina team, but um, a win is a win. Yeah. Conference win with all that turmoil. 18-year-old kid puts up 41 points. Obviously, I have no fucking clue what's going on with that team. Depending on what you look at at Twitter, it's either him and Oates are going to be done for the year or they're not. I mean, whatever. Someone's mom, you know, got killed. That's really that's really sad and unfortunate. I'm just, just going to let that play out. Uh, treat it like it is right now, which is just he's playing currently and he's top five player in the country. So they're always going to be dangerous. They rely heavily on their guards, which is, I mean, last night was kind of the first game that Miller's really taken into his own hands. Like there was just possession after possession after possession. He was just the focal point of the offense. They have Sears, who's the transfer from Ohio, who was on that team with the um, the Preston kid who beat Virginia two years ago. So he's got some NCAA tournament experience. He's probably their best guard. He shoots it at like a 39% clip from three. But they shoot a lot of threes, and they run a fast tempo with guards who are highly volatile. They have um, Javon Quinterly still from Newburgh, New Jersey, former five-star. They have a couple other guards. None of them shoot above 36% from three. They're a volume-shooting team. So I could see them shooting themselves out of some games in March, which has been their problem previously under NATO. It's the last couple yeah. of years. 
Yeah. So they're very volatile as well. Obviously they have the best freshman in the country and then they make a lot of threes so they can go as far as that'll take them. As far as Kansas goes, the big 12 is the best conference right now. It's not, I mean, it's not even close. It's really not yeah. close either. And Kansas. So if you're more of a casual fan, Kansas won last year, um, returning it's an entirely new team. Yeah, besides Jalen Wilson, but he was more of a complimentary piece last year. He's yeah, the focal like last point. year it was uh, Ochai Jabi, most outstanding yeah. player. He's gone. Remy Martin's gone. Um, Christian Brown, the, yeah. the guy, he was a first mm-hmm. round pick. So yeah, so a bunch of guys gone from that team. Uh, Grady Dick, freshman. When you watch those games, games, he's a great shooter. He's the guy. He's going to make a couple big shots in the tournament. Um, so I guess they'll have some guys who have had that final four experience too, but not as many. And all these teams going 23 and five right now with the other teams in the big 12, I guess we should maybe have some, if we stick in the big 12, Kansas is number three right now. You have Texas at eight Baylor at nine, Kansas state at 14, Iowa state at 23 TCU at 24. And a lot of other teams have been in and out um, all year. Uh, so it's Texas like a, it's Tech's a been conference. frisky lately. West Virginia's yeah. a tournament team. Yeah. So any of those I like in the tournament, any of those big 12 teams that have been kind of battle tested, but I'm going to be weary of whoever wins the big 12 tournament because that might be like uh, winning three or four games in as many days. Kansas won like, it last year. They beat Texas Tech. Yeah, but I think this year that may be – like last year, I know a lot of people, Iowa ran through the Big Ten, got really yeah, high. Then they got clipped and they And then they, got, they lost in the first round. But they were like the five seed in the Big Ten. So maybe yeah. not Kansas, but if like a Kansas State goes on and wins the Big 12 tournament and they beat Kansas and Baylor along the way, I think you're going to see a lot of people take the Wildcats far when um, sometimes that, that conference championship, depending on – how many games you win can almost be um, you've seen teams. It's not a guarantee that you're going to continue that success into the, into the tournament. Exactly. Like it's such a crapshoot conference tourneys because for the power five teams or power six, I like to, I, I don't like saying power six for college basketball. It's just there's high major, there's mid major. Like it's, it's so much yeah. different than football with like the different types of conferences, but it's such a hard like thing to grasp because, okay, I grew up in Connecticut I was in sixth grade when Kemba Walker went from bubble team to three seed winning the back when the big East was the big fucking East Yeah, ripped through it, got a three mm-hmm. seed ripped through that region. Won the, won the national title best player in the country. That team also won the Maui invitational against a really good Michigan state team. They beat the Kentucky team in Maui who had Terrence Jones, like who they ended up, think playing in the semifinals with Brandon Knight. So they were a really good team who hit the big East hit like a snag, lost a bunch of games, regained form later in the year. Cause it was a really young team too. So I'm always kind of wary of like, okay, like team like UConn right now, great example, super good team to start the year. Top five team won the, one of the, those two PK 85 tournaments, kind of slowed down in conference, lost some close road games, didn't look like themselves. Now they're starting to gain steam again, beat Providence by 20 last night, beat uh, blew out Marquette at home. 
you know, had beat Creighton at home, had some really big wins. If that's a team that gets hot in the tournament or a team like Creighton, these, these teams that had the talent to be up there all along, but then kind of hit, you know, hit some injuries, some inconsistent play in middle of the year, then they get hot. I like those teams in the conference tournament. Teams like Iowa last year, like I personally put a lot of money on Richmond Moneyline last year. Thank God that worked out. Did not have a good gambling March Madness last year. Got a little out of out of hand. I, so. I had Iowa go winning it all. So I felt yeah. <laughs> to the to the hot streak in the conference tournament. And guys, you yeah. can put the ball on the on the basket. But yeah, so I'm wary of teams like that because, for example, a Kansas State. Kansas State is a pretty good team. If they rip off a couple wins in a row and win that tournament, I could see a lot of people, they'd be a trendy three seed, win it all, final four, whatever. But, you know, you got to look at it like they're extremely reliant on two very good guards. Same way last year, Iowa, extremely reliant on a top five lottery pick, Keegan Murray and his brother with some shooters around them. The shooters around them got extremely hot. That you can't count on going over into the next round. You got to look for teams that are like, okay, were they always expected to be this good? And then they kind of slowed down. Now they're back where we expected. That's the type of stuff I would look for. You know, like how do they do a non-conference? How are they playing now? Those are the type of tournament teams, these dark horses that I would look for. Uh, I think Baylor is definitely not necessarily a dark horse because they're pretty high ranked, but when you think Big 12, they're not exactly the top of your mind, especially getting swept swept by Kansas and Kansas State on the road this past week. Um, they have Texas at home. That's a huge game on Saturday. I'll probably be on the Bears. Uh, I really like their three guards. And they mix two veterans who were on that Final Four team, national championship team from 2020, uh, 2021. Obviously no 2020 tournament. And then last year they fell victim to North Carolina, despite a huge comeback. So they have veterans. Then they add Keontae George freshman sensation, five-star going to be a lottery pick. I like teams like that, where you have the veterans who can make shots, but you have that difference maker similar to Houston, uh, except for a different position. You have a difference maker, NBA type prospect who can carry you for a few games in March. So I love the bears. Uh, They're my favorite team in the big 12. I actually like them better than Kansas. And then I think some of the mid-tier Big 12 teams like Kansas State, Iowa State, West Virginia, these guys, they're destined for – they're getting pumped up a little too much because they're winning some games against actual good teams at home just because, like, you know, they have great home courts in the Big 12. I think they those guys are privy to an upset early on. The Iowa States, Kansas States, as I mentioned, I think those guys can get got because their rosters are a little thinner than uh, than a lot of the really good, you know – mid-major high low low high major teams that are going to get those kind of seeds match up to them in like six 11 matchups so that's how i feel about the big 12 um there's a couple dark horses i really like quote unquote you know those seams that are going to be on the three four five and six lines especially a year like this year where you know the top isn't quite as as elite as we're used to I really like, as I mentioned, UConn. They're getting hot at the right time. Have a Final Four future on them I took a couple weeks ago. Creighton, as I mentioned, another team. Started the year super well. Almost won Maui. Love, yeah. Yeah. And I love the way they play. Like, I For my money, Ryan Nemhard's the best point guard in the country. They made the Swing 16 last year. Played Kansas. Or nah, maybe it was the round of 32. Regardless, they gave Kansas the best run out of anyone until the national championship game. 
Um, return almost the whole team. Add Bayless Shireman, who have his experience in the tournament from last year, former mm-hmm. Horizon League Player of the Year, our Summit League. I think it's Ryan Colbrenner, Big East yeah. Defensive Player of the Year, and Giant. Like he's like yeah. you need when like, you when their you team have... that if you don't have a guy like that and you play a team like Zach Eady and Purdue. Like Penn State's a really athletic team. When they play Purdue, they just have no answer because they're exactly they're big small. man six eight six nine. If you have a guy who can clog up the paint, that's how. Like a lot of the teams that we've talked about, I feel like March Madness is predominantly a guards tournament. Mm-hmm. They say I don't know who the last like big man was to really win like most outstanding player or be the best player on the winning team. But like UConn, uh, one of their better players. Uh, Sonogo, big yeah. man, Creighton's got and then a big they have man, the freshman who's man. huge. Yeah. So it's like Trace Jackson gonna... Davis is the best player in the country for my money. Indiana big man. Yeah. Yeah. He can handle the ball more so. Yeah. I feel like he's more like he's not bringing the ball up or creating. Exactly. You're talking yet. like traditional back to the basket. Like if you need a, if man. you need a, I, I've seen Purdue at the end of games where they need a basket and they go to Edie and he can get it. But if it's a game where like you see these games where, you have a timeout or you don't have a timeout and you just run down the floor. Uh, Edie's not grabbing the ball with eight exactly. seconds left. I completely agree. And creating a shot for himself. Um, so that, I don't know how much that's going to like come into play. Cause again, he gets two fouls in the first five minutes of a game and they could be in trouble against a, a 14 or a 15, depending on who they're playing. I guess they'll probably be on the one line, but. Like I wouldn't be surprised if they don't get out of the first weekend, to be completely honest. Oh yeah. I think, I think what you said there is such a key, especially in March and even just in the season in general, as you see, like at the end of that Indiana Purdue game uh, in assembly hall, a couple of weeks back, you need to have a guy on your roster who can go get a shot for you without mm-hmm. having the play and like a set drawn up for him. Like Zach Eady, Colk Brenner, these big guys, you know, they stand there, they're trying to get good position. You can front them, you can double them, you can do whatever. If you have a guy like like Creighton, they have Ryan Nemhard. They can give yeah. him the ball and be like, go get us a shot or go get someone on this team a shot, but we're giving you the ball. You yeah, know, a guy like Marcus Sasser. Yeah, Marcus Sasser in Houston, same way. Like, that's what I like about Baylor is they have two really good guards who are veterans, but they also have Keontae George playing like almost that swing guard wing spot where it's like, okay, like, if we need a big one, we have a lottery pick here and they go to him at the end of the game. So that's what, and then as you mentioned with trace, like that's what I like about trace Jackson Davis is like, he has the ability to put the ball on the floor and pass out of like double teams and pull it out to the elbow extended. That's why I prefer him to Zach Eady and why I think he's the best player in the country college basketball wise. And I have Indiana as a dark horse as well, because they have that infusion of five-star freshman Jalen hood Chifino. They could get Xavier Johnson back, who's a veteran four to five-year player from the Big Ten point guard, shooting guard combo. And then they have Jackson Davis, who he can dominate the game from all aspects besides shooting the basketball, but he makes his free throws, which is huge. Like Those are the types of players I want to look out for. I don't want to tie my wagon in March to okay, let's hope Zach Eady stays out of foul trouble, which he's done a great job of all your averages, less than two fouls a game. But let's, you know, hitch my wagon to a guy who can't put the ball on the floor at all. And his his go-to move is getting in good position, going over his left shoulder and throwing a lefty or a righty hook in. So yeah. that's what my concern would be on those teams. Um, I like guard-oriented teams preferably, but I think it's always important to have like one of those just – 
vacuum rebound type guys who like he's never going to be the best player on your team he's probably not going to play in the nba but like like we mentioned with like a Kulk Brenner, it's like nice to have that complimentary piece uconn back in the day had alex oriaki we've seen teams in the past like even looking back to last year's kansas team um did they have azubuki last year or was that the other final four team they had Regardless, as a Buki on Kansas in the past, just giant guy. He dunks the ball, blocks shots, rebounds. Like the game in college is still less spread out the NBA than the NBA. And with defensive three seconds being allowed, it's great to have that garbage man down low. So that's another thing to look at for teams. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you if if you're looking for a recipe for like not your standard one seed going all the way, uh, if you're picking your bracket pool in a couple of weeks, my recommendation would be a ball handler, whether it's a guard or a wing, you can go get you a shot. That's either an elite college, like all American type player or an NBA type prospect. That's going to be like a lottery pick, a big man who can rebound and defend at a high enough level where he doesn't necessarily need to be a star, but like to combat these teams with all these bigs. A good enough defense. Everyone loves the top 40 defense, top 20 offense, Kempom. Yeah, thing so that, I like, you have need. that up too. So yeah. that stat, which helps pick a winner out of the last 19 years, every team that's won the tournament has finished the season with um, a top 40 offense and a top 22 defense. And there's mm-hmm. six teams as of now that fall into that category, those categories. It's UCLA. Let me guess. Wait, let me guess. Oh, yeah, yeah, UCLA. UCLA, UConn, Creighton. UConn, yes. Creighton, I don't think so. Creighton, yes. Purdue? No, no, not Purdue. Yes, Um, Purdue, yes. Okay, Purdue. Purdue, Houston? Houston, yes. They're top five. St. Mary's? St. Mary's, yeah. That might be. And one more. Uh, Did you say, did I say, you said UCLA, right? You said UCLA. Oh, in Alabama, Alabama. Oh, then there's one more. It's UCLA, Alabama, Houston, St. Mary's, Creighton, U- Creighton, Purdue, UConn, and Kansas. See, that makes sense to oh Kansas. That's right. I didn't say Kansas, but that makes sense to me because I think besides St. I want to put St. Mary's in there. I just don't think like I really love their freshman point guard. He's awesome. I don't. I think they'll just get out athleted by like like they can win. Like I could see them going to a Sweet Sixteen, Elite Eight, but like. Do you really think they're going to run through three high major type athletic teams? Like, you know, they, they throw five white dudes out there who like out, you know, they out execute and everything. Like, I don't know. It's just to me, like I've seen them play very like athletic elite teams, like a Houston, like a, even a Kansas, like those types of teams. And there's just a disconnect in the level of athleticism on the floor that I think prevents them from making a deep run. But I think everyone else on that list is definitely a legitimate contender. I think, as I said, Indiana belongs in there uh, as, as a threat. I don't think they could win, but I think they can make a final four, but definitely Houston's my favorite right now, but I think UConn and Creighton are two dark horse favorite picks. So that aligns well with that. Um, well, similar, similar to like looking at old Ken Palm stuff, similar to um, St. Mary's Loyal Chicago was oh, that's right a good point. that neighborhood in and that's another not, team that didn't not have the year they athletes. went not the year they went to the the year they went to the final four was more so anomaly but 
they were ranked 10th in Kempom, which in theory would have so, you as a three seed, and they were an eight seed. Yeah, that's the year they beat Illinois, and they right? Beat they beat Illinois. Yeah. In the, then they the lost to Oregon State. Yeah. Yeah. So don't be surprised if a team like St. Mary's does go on a run because they're eight in Kempom right now. They are ranked 15th, but they, depending on what happens in their conference tournament and other conference tournaments, you could easily see them slip down to the to the oh, five line. I think Ken Gonzaga Pom will beat them like on a one or a two. Yeah, I could see Gonzaga beating them on Saturday. That was a great game at St. Mary's. Now they're mm-hmm. going to Gonzaga. So that'll drop them because they have so few opportunities for big wins in the West Coast Conference that that'll definitely drop them. They uh, did but play I like, Houston earlier in the year. Yeah, and they, they got lost a rock fight. It was like 48-53 because I was looking at the Houston schedule. So two teams that maybe you're looking, you're like, who do they play? They played each other and they they took they took. Houston, they played them tighter than almost anybody did all year aside. Houston's two losses this year. They got upset by Temple, and then they lost to Alabama early in the year. And Alabama obviously has been a powerhouse. So St. Mary's has proven that they – and they beat Gonzaga at home. Like, they can hang with some of these uh, more talented and more prestigious programs, I guess, who a normal fan might not expect St. Mary's to be um, to be all that great. Yeah, I definitely think they're a second weekend team. I think that Loyola Chicago team is actually a great comparison. They could, I could see them getting underseeded, having a pretty big round of 32, not necessarily an upset on the spread, but a lot of people will be choosing the other team in their brackets or whatever. And then we might see them fall a little short, similar to with that Loyola Chicago team when they ran into that Oregon State team who was just scorching from three for a handful of weeks winning the pac 12 tournament and obviously that was a weird tournament being no fans COVID, etc but definitely st mary's is definitely a team to keep an eye out for potential final four type team there out of the west coast conference um yeah once you get out of the first weekend it's like oh well then they'll line up with the two seed last year we had st peter's two years ago we had oral roberts it's it's never you never know who's going to get out. So if you can get out of your little four foursome bracket in the first weekend, you could be up against anyone. So um, you don't want to get too analytical when you fill out your bracket. Mm-hmm. I'm sure we'll do like a, a selection Sunday thing. Oh, 100 uh, percent. Just like you got to because it, it, it's impossible. It's impossible. Um, I guess the only thing that's really been tried and true is the champion being in those top. um those top rankings offensively and defensively in Kempom. But other than that, it's, it's really anybody's game as we've been able to tell in the past couple of years. Yeah. And then I think you mentioned those teams like Oral Roberts and St. Peter's and that's kind of what everyone wants to know. Everyone wants to be the guy at the, at the water cooler doing the cooler talk, telling everyone, Oh, I had, I had St. Mary's in my bracket, go to the, uh, I think this year is actually a great year for that. Oral Roberts is better than they were two years ago when they beat Ohio state and Florida and should have been Arkansas. Honestly, if that ACE miss three goes in, um, they bring, they have ACE miss still. He was a sophomore at the time. Now he's a senior. The team around him is much better. They got a fuck a couple transfers in that, uh, fill out around him. High major guys, but they're mostly just all oral Roberts recruited dudes. They have very balanced attack. I think they have like four, five, six, maybe even guys averaging over nine points a game. They shoot the three well. And then obviously Acemas led the country in scoring two years ago, and he's been in the top five to 10 in the past two years. And they're seasoned. I mean, they made a second weekend with a lot of these guys still on the roster. 
So they're definitely a team to look out for. Kent State has been a one seed at least last year, maybe even the year before in the in the MAC tournament. Have not been able to uh, capitalize on that and go to the actual NCAA tournament. Akron took them down last year, give you gave UCLA a ride in the first round. They have a guard out of Ohio, Sin Carey, who's incredible. Uh, I think he's two-time defending Mac player of the year, probably going to win it again this year, averages over 20 points a game or close to it. Uh, He can light it up, one of the best shooters in the country. That's a team that can definitely upset some teams come tournament time. They'll be a classic 12-5 matchup, I think. Another guy is Darius McGee out of Liberty. He's another guy who can score in bunches. He had 40 points a couple nights ago or maybe a week or two ago. Um, If they can make it in, Kennesaw State's also – uh, contender in the ace sun there, but the hopes is we can get Gar- Darius to uh, March Madness. He could put on a show, but a lot of these underdog teams, I mean, it's not necessarily like last year with St. Peter's kind of out of nowhere, 15 seed, but I think there's some guards that are going to make a name for themselves come tournament time where they make some upsets in the first weekend, similar to a CJ McCollum in the past or, um, even as, all the way back to Steph Curry, that's kind of kind of kind of how he came onto the uh, yeah. scene was as a ten seed scoring almost forty a game in the NCAA tournament, all the way to the an eventual buzzer beating loss to the eventual champion Kansas in his sophomore year in college. So I think this is this might be one of the more fun tournaments, especially the first weekend, uh, upset wise and everything that we like to see. But I'm glad that some of these mid major teams actually have built up some resumes where I'm confident they could at least contend with uh, with a couple teams if they win a game or two. Because the worst thing is you watch the first, you know, it's Thursday at 1 p.m. and you're holding on the edge of your seat because Georgia State's about to upset Baylor. And you're like, this is so awesome. And then Georgia State plays Xavier the next round and gets just embarrassed. And it's like, okay, now we have a fucking – seven seed Xavier team in the sweet 16 that like doesn't belong here. And it's just like, we lose the quality, the further we go. It's nice to see a team like that oral Roberts team or like that Davidson team, you know, in the past who can win a couple games in the tournament, if they're going to give that big first round upset. Yeah. And looking, thinking upset, I know. And I think most people know almost nothing about any of these teams that are going to win these small conferences, unless you are like an alum and watching them, or you just happen to like live near them or um, gambling or, yes, or gambling. Yeah. So my thought for looking for that upsets almost the other way, like looking at the the higher seeds, a team like Tennessee, who's ranked number 11 oh, right now. Yeah. They're terrible. They're great defensively, but they exactly. go minutes at a time without scoring the ball and they play low scoring games, which like if you're playing a team who's got nothing to lose, who can maybe shoot the three and they get a little hot and you don't play fast and you're all of a sudden you think you got time, you got time. And then Tennessee might be in a, might be in a rock fight with some, some random school from the middle of nowhere with like three minutes left in the game. So their team, Virginia always plays slow and they've obviously been susceptible to the big upset before. Um, So if you're more in tune with like the top 25 teams during conference championship week and you watch, someone play and you think that they might be they play slow or they play sloppy they can't take care of the ball they might be an upset instead of saying Kent State is the team to pull that big upset which is sometimes harder to pinpoint you say Tennessee is a team that 
has won a lot of games, but that I don't necessarily trust. Yeah. And I think another good point there is watch these. So you're going to see typically a lot of these um, lower conference, smaller conference tournaments are the weekend that precedes the larger conferences. So we're talking like first weekend of March, March 3rd, uh, you know, second, third and fourth and the fifth, you're going to see like Arch Madness in the Missouri Valley. That's a conference that's produced um, teams like that Loyola Chicago team that beat Illinois. Not the, I don't know if the original one was actually, yeah, I think they both were, Um, you know, Wichita state was in the Missouri Valley for a while. Those Doug McDermott Creighton teams were um, our buddy. Mikey Maz is an Illinois state assistant coach right now. He's been seeing all these teams go watch a couple games like that. They'll have them on CBS. They'll have on ESPN plus. If you're really serious about, you know, winning these bracket pools, getting the bragging rights, because you might see something out of a team like Drake who has a star, you know, potential NBA player in DeVries with, you know, a lot of shooting around him. And you might say, okay, I like this team. They won the Missouri Valley. If they get matched up with mm-hmm. Tennessee, for example, or, you know, I'm trying to think of like a big 10 or an sec team. Like even um, like, like Wisconsin, know. if they play like Wisconsin in like a six 11 game or a five 12, one of those like seven, 10. Okay, I know that they counteract their style and I think they can make shots. I'll take this team. Like another thing when you're filling out your bracket, look at point spreads. It, there we've seen in the past Middle Tennessee State out of Conference USA, they were favored as a 12 seed over Minnesota, a five seed a handful of years ago. Like even Missouri State or Murray State, sorry, another they mm-hmm. were Ohio Valley, now they're Missouri Valley. They were favored over Marquette when it was John Moran against Marcus Howard and they killed them. And Jod a triple double. Like these are the type of things where I know, like ga- gambling is one thing. Like a lot of people love to gamble on college basketball. I typically gamble on at least a few games every single night, no matter the conference. I love following the little guy conferences, uh, especially now having more invested in the Missouri Valley specifically. But even like, you know, if you're not going to be a gambler, you're not going to follow this stuff. Everyone fills out a bracket, it's an awesome feeling. Like whether you're in freaking middle school and you go into school the next day and you can show it on your printout bracket because you don't even have an iPhone yet. Or if you're, you know, working in the office or on like, even if you work from home, you're on the next morning meeting and it's like, oh my God, did you see Florida Gulf Coast beat Georgetown? It's like, yeah, actually I saw that coming because I paid attention to XYZ. You know, I looked at Kempom. So obviously it's fun to just throw a couple together and, there is no method to the madness. No one's ever had a perfect one. You know, there's upsets every year, but it's fun when an upset's happening. If you can be like, oh yeah, like this was something that I saw as a possibility because I saw Darius McGee drop 41 a couple of weeks ago for Liberty. Like stuff like that is definitely makes it a more engaging experience come March. 100%. Um Big game tonight, Penn State. I guess if you're listening, it'll be yesterday night. Penn State, Ohio State. Penn State. Uh, right on I the bubble. Doubt, de- on the bubble. Probably on the outside looking in. Going to need to win a couple games here down the stretch. Um, won't spend too much time on them because I don't really know like the, the quad one and the bubble and everything. But uh, I don't know. They're a team that if they get in, I wouldn't be surprised. They got some some guys who can ball Jalen Jalen Pickett is a hooper man from Siena. He had 40 something the other night against Illinois 41, the most points, yeah. a Penn state record, unless 
you're counting games from like the 30s and the 40s. Mm-hmm. Um, so first 40 broke the drought for the longest. Uh, Penn State had the drought for the longest time without a 40 point score since like 2001. So that uh, like 40 points in college, if you're more in touch, that's with the insane. NBA, like 40 points in college is um, unheard of. It doesn't happen. I mean, the totals, often. the totals in Big Ten games are usually between. 125 and 135 so you got to think 40 points from one individual for a game that's that's like almost a third of the scoring from the entire game that'd be like an nba game a guy scoring like like 70 70 yeah Yeah. exactly um he's the first person gonna be the first person to average 16 points six and a half rebounds and six and a half assists since denzel valentine and the only person to do it the only three in the past 30 years will be Jalen Pickett, Denzel Valentine, and Jason Kidd. So he's been special this year. Uh, Penn State has been victim of losing the close game a lot, a team mm-hmm. that like hasn't made the tournament since 2011, 2012. So going to need a lot of things to break their way and make a little bit of a run, if not win the Big Ten tournament to get there. I've... So that starts tonight in Columbus, where I can say that they this will be coming out tomorrow. So Penn State – Barely beats a struggling Ohio State team who is in a little bit of shambles, falling to three and fifteen in the conference. Yeah, they're one and oh god, they started two and zero. Oh, so three, I don't even know. They won. They won one, like one of the one last, of the, their last fourteen 15 or fifteen. Yeah. yeah, and they're not even covering. Like it's, you know, I mean, if you want to read about it, I wrote wrote a large article about it or a long blog about it on the website. I uh, don't want to get into too much here because obviously no one really wants to hear about the second worst team in the big 10, but just after a while, it caught up to Holt that he became the, you know, if you, the, the joke that me and my friends have about Ohio state is if you want to be the 19th pick in the draft, go your freshman year, go to Ohio state, like Malachi Branham, EJ Liddell, like these types of guys, like now it's going to Bryce Sensabaugh can be the same way where it's like, you're going to get a lot of high level shots, like difficult mid range jump shots that like show your NBA, like prestige, but the guys we get are never good enough to like take us over the top where, you know, we have a top five pick taking those shots and we're going to the final four. Like we used to have like with those Thad Mata teams, but I'll say for Ohio state probably won't even make the NIT this year, kind of a lost season. Uh, I would keep Holt another year. He's made the tournament every year. Obviously, he's never made a second weekend. But that Penn State team, um, if there's any, like, real big hoops heads listen to this, they kind of remind me of a poor man's version of that Jalen Brunson Villanova team uh, that won the national championship. They can invert their offense with four shooters around a guard who can – live in the post area in Jalen Pickett, which is very interesting to watch. Like, even if you're not a big fan of um, like big 10 basketball or whatever, not a fan of those old Villanova teams, it's really fun to watch a, like a team invert and put their point guard in the post and then have four shooters around. I think they're a team that similar fashion to Iowa last year, obviously they don't have a lottery pick like Keegan Murray, but who's to say they can't scorch nets in in Chicago coming up in two weeks and, you know, at least make the f- semis or the finals of the big 10 tournament that might cash their ticket into the, the final. I think the, the final dance. would be enough depending on how they finish the yeah. year. Um, and looking how the bracket shakes up. I think that's possible. If 
Purdue finishes on the one line and Indiana on as the four seed. Uh, and then you have Maryland and Northwestern as the two, three, like Penn State's hung with. Yeah, they could be outmatched. Those teams. They're probably outmatched with Indiana and Purdue. But if they end up at the 11 seed in the Big Ten, which is where they are right now, they'd get Minnesota, which they should beat in the first game, which almost get, might help them being the 11 as opposed to the 10 if they can get another win under their belt. Um, but who knows? Like we see these teams all the time heat up and, and sneak in, in in March. But Penn State, they're, uh, according to Lunardi, they're in the next four out as the fourth team. So they got they got some work to do. About six, seven or eight teams in front of them. Yeah, uh, but I mean, it's it's a very fluid situation, especially conference tournaments. Days, yeah, yeah. I yeah. I and I as they're underdogs in this game. So I think stuff like that might go into that factor. Like they're expected to lose in Columbus. They win this game. Maybe they move into like the first four out stuff like that. Well, either way, I think this team's been, I think this is probably the most fun team you guys have had since that Chef Garner, Tony Carr, Lamar Stevens team. Uh, yeah. They, Penn State would have made the tournament um, for sure. The COVID season. Mm-hmm. Um That was what Lamar's Lamar. last year. Yeah. yeah they got as high as, as number eight in in the AP poll because we had eight cent beers I remember Monday when the rankings came out um but that was a shame that that got canceled and he would have broke the year. scoring record if he yeah, if he would have had broke a the Penn State, yeah. finished six points short of the Penn State uh scoring record for a career and would have broke the drought the tournament so um COVID ruined a lot of things that definitely being one of them uh mm. but Oh, another team that like we we talked about for a second when we started, Kentucky. Kentucky has the potential to be a North Carolina from last year, where yeah. they're certainly talented enough. They're going to they're coming on in that seven to eleven finish the year kind of hot, and like if they end up on that eight nine line, they're probably going to get out of win their first game, and then if they beat one of the one seeds, which Almost all four one seeds get into the Sweet 16 rarely happens. And if Kentucky takes one down, they're going to be a Kentucky team with something to prove and a chip on your shoulder is something that I would not want to see if I was any other team in this tournament. Yeah, I mean, ever since Wheeler went down, they've turned the offense over to Casey Wallace, who's another potential top five to ten pick. And they've gotten more time out of their shooters. Antonio Reeves is an Illinois state transfer who averaged 20 a game in the Valley last year. He shoots at like a 43% clip. And then they have Shibway. Like Shibway is a super flawed player. Um, you know, he he's national player of the year rating 20 and 20 type guy, but can't pass, can't shoot, you know, he averages more turnovers than assists. But I mean, at the end of the day, Calipari is a guy who's shown in the past. He's gotten number eight seeds to the national championship before he's gotten, you know, four or five seeds to the final four. He somehow always finds a way to get his team to play well at the right time. He's only got one national title, but like they're always in the mix. Um, mm-hmm. They, they upset that Wichita state team that year with like, you know, Julius Randall, James Young, the Harrison brothers. I could see something similar here. You know, they turned the team over to that guard, uh, Young guard, like I said, they're getting shooting out there. Once I think the team's starting to come into form, and maybe this Wheeler injury is what they needed to kind of get back into the into the winning lane and get off that bubble. Uh, another team you mentioned, like North Carolina, saying that they could be North Carolina of last year. I think it's time to give up on North Carolina of this year. 
I think yes. last year they played like an eight seed or a nine seed. What I think they were a nine seed for the entirety of a season. Then they got hot at the end of the year, beat Duke, made a pretty good run in the ACC tournament, didn't win it. Virginia Tech won it and then made a huge run in the NCAA tournament. But they also like, yes, they did beat Baylor, but then their elite eight game was against Doug Eater. Like that's like one spot where they did get pretty lucky, but regardless, they made a final four run, but we, we get, they get the whole team back to this year, except for Brady Manic. They replaced Brady Manic with a worse player. And then they continue to play like a bubble team, which they were close to like playing like last year. I don't think we should be that surprised that they're not good. And I think we should, you know, we should rinse our hands with them and just, they shouldn't be in the tournament. They're terrible. They, they are the first team out according to um, ESPN right now. And they have had an incredibly like the ACC as a total is having an incredibly down year, which does not help them at all. So I don't think they should be in like there aren't that many ACC teams in in general like Pitt who's one of in ACC play is first or second right now they're on the nine line so it's not the ACC of old with Duke and UNC and Virginia all in the top 10 and like having these big wins uh I mean, Duke is on the sixth line, which is probably the lowest that they've been in, in yeah. quite, a and they, of, quite a couple of years. They're a one and done, maybe, maybe win a game and out type team. I mean, they're another team that's extremely poorly built. They're starting two centers, bringing a third off the bench, who's a top five recruit in the country. Like, it's it frustrates me because it's starting to seem like Coach K did this his last few years. But – and Calipari seems to do this too. It seems like he's just picking off recruits because they're in the top five. Like there is no like method to their team building. Like if you have a guy like Oscar Sheeway or like a Derek Lively for, for Duke, you want to surround them with like, you know, some shooters and playmakers, like playing Filipowski and Lively next to each other makes zero sense to me. They're, I mean, they're both centers. Like when was the last time you heard of a team playing two true centers and it works out? Like it's not the seventies. So The one team I do like in the ACC is Miami. They just throw a ton of guards at you. Nigel Pack was a Buckeye for like six minutes in the transfer portal, and then Miami offered him more money, which are allowed to disclose nowadays, which is just wild. Um, He probably made the right choice considering the – I don't think he was going to turn the Buckeyes into a tournament team by himself, but um, Miami's really cool. They play four guards at once obviously made the elite eight last year uh, and got better, but they kind of lack that true. Like I was talking about earlier, that, that guy who can just, you know, get you 10 rebounds and two block shots and eight points in a game. They don't really have that true garbage, man. They have a guy, he's like number 15, big Afro, pretty, pretty decent rebounder shot blocker, but he's like six, seven. So I think they're going to run into an issue. You know, if they're the three or four seed in a region that has, a Kalkbrenner, an Edie, a Trace Jackson Davis, they're just not going to be able to do anything with it. So they're a fun team, though. If they get the right draw, they can make a really another really nice run. So I think that's that's a pretty good summation of how the uh how the how the just just how the landscape of college basketball is shaping up right now. Do you yeah. want to make your final four picks? Well, 
we can do that and then we can amend on selection sunday if people are 100 oh, lined up uh I will say that if you're a fan of a bubble team or you're watching the bubble, the teams that you probably want to win that are like on that are probably in, even if they lose, like based on some ESPN stuff, Florida Atlantic, Kent State, Mm -hmm. Oral Roberts and and College of Charleston. Those are four teams that even if they lose their conference tournament, they might still get in and steal a bid from like a Mississippi State or Wisconsin or USC type deal. So if you're as a Penn State fan who were kind of on the outside looking in, but Penn State's going to need all those teams that are supposed to win their conferences to win their conferences so that um, somebody from Florida Atlantic's conference doesn't get the automatic yeah. qualifier and then they would also get in and bump somebody. So those are the four teams to watch out for if you're a fan of a bubble team. But do you want to go? You go first. Give me your final four. Okay, um, obviously we don't know any of the seeds, the regions, or anything, but if I had to pick four Final Four teams right now, I would go Houston, Creighton, UConn, and um, give me Indiana. A lot of love for the Big East. Um, I'll take... Yeah, which is weird because I hate the new Big East. <laughs> yeah. Well, Final Four is in Houston, too, which could be... Yeah. Uh, and J- it's it's uh, Jim Nance's last ever Final Four, and he's a Houston yeah. grad. Yep. If you're... Yeah. Conspiracy. Um, <laughs> the script. The, the script, script is back. Um, I'll take... I think Kansas. Kansas will be back. I've been on Creighton all year, so I'm going to live by them and die by them. So I'll go Kansas, Creighton, St. Mary's, who we talked about. I like that. I almost took them. I almost took them. uh, UCLA, who we didn't really talk about, but Tiger Mm -hmm. Campbell, Jaime Jaquez. Yeah. They've they've been Uh, in the Final Four before, too. Uh, And Amari Bailey's coming on. He played with LeBron's son last year. He was kind of their go-to number top guy. He's he's starting to come on. He's a freak athlete. He was struggling at the beginning of the year, but – and Mick Cronin, I mean Mick Cronin, he's he's a really good coach. He can coach. So yeah. All right. So that's kind of our that's that's our uh little lay of the land for college basketball. Obviously gonna ramp up a lot in the next coming weeks leading up to selection Sunday. We will hopefully have a kind of a different style of episode we discussed last week. Um have a special guest on to do a life advice episode. Just uh, coming from some seasoned veterans of the, I just graduated college. Like we're we're kind of like out of the, we're, you know, we're like almost two years out now. So kind of know what's going on. Do one of those. Um, obviously, all questions are are encouraged. Um, and then we're also going to preview the NBA season because that's about to start, and as well as the NHL. Uh, which hopefully we'll have a special guest on for as well. And then we eventually need to have our pick em pool winner, Aaron Chris, back on. Uh, first ever recurring guest. So that's what the next couple of weeks are going to look like. Then we'll get into Selection Sunday. Selection Sunday being uh, March the 12th. So the 13th, the week of the 13th, we'll probably come out with our NCAA preview episode. Um, really get into everything probably stick to March madness for those couple of weeks and then get into baseball and the NHL and NBA playoffs. So a lot of exciting things coming. And uh, this is, this is a Creighton Blue Jays podcast.
yeah from now on 100 yeah. percent. so all right so dom any, anything else before we say goodbye uh no i think that's it all right we will catch you at the next water break and go jays <laughs> <laughs>